0: Mr. Matthew Thai, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is really awesome. Thank now, you. you prefer me calling you Matt, right? Yes, Matt. And it's yeah. pronounced Thai. Yes, Thai. Yep. Thai. What yep. is the origin of your last name, if you don't mind me asking?
1: So, so in Chinese, it's actually pronounced Thai. Thai. Yeah. With so a it's a little yeah, thing. It's it's a common Chinese last name. Uh huh. Um, but when my parents went to, they were they were raised in Vietnam, so um, they had that translated to Thai. Okay, T H A I.
0: Just because it's easier for people. I think so. Rather yeah. than getting irritated when people yeah. don't say that. Yes. That that sound. Yeah. Do you I still s- get people saying
1: that? Uh, no, not really. Um, they just either say thigh, like uh, uh-huh. <laughs> like with a T-H. Uh, yes. But uh, or, or or Thai like Thailand.
0: Yeah. Okay, but the correct pronunciation is now the accepted the way you you and your family prefer it is Thai. thai. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and you said your parents grew up in Vietnam.
1: Yeah, they were um, they were raised there. Okay, and um, so we're we're Chinese, but um, I didn't really know what I was back then when I was little. Uh huh. I didn't know if I was Chinese or Vietnamese or Cambodian because um, my grandparents were from there too. Okay. So, oh, so
0: they grew up in in Vietnam as well. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, so That's interesting. We my family has migrated around okay. that region um for, for years um it i don't know the exact story because uh, i don't really uh, ask that and they don't really know either my parents don't really know either okay um but i'm ethnically ethnically chinese okay uh, my parents my family ethnically chinese uh we speak a minor dialect called uh duchu um Not many people speak that.
0: Is it like a very low percentage of people
1: in China? In China, yeah. Like one region, I suppose? Yeah, one city. Okay. So down down in the southeast part of China.
0: Okay. The part that's closer to Vietnam. Yes. yes. Okay.
1: Uh, So I only met a lot more of these people when I visited Singapore. And that's where my wife's from, Singapore. Okay. So. a majority, it seems like a majority of tiu people migrated to Singapore. So that was the first time that I met a lot of people. With your background? With my background, yeah, <laughs> with, with that language. And I, I couldn't speak it that well yeah, anyway. So growing up, what did you speak? Um, my, uh, to my parents, I spoke tiu Okay. Uh, they didn't teach me Vietnamese. They know Vietnamese, they know Cantonese they didn't teach me any of that but you okay yeah so they they only spoke to me and my siblings and dushu that that minor dialect um, i suspect is so that they can uh, keep their conversation private in between <laughs> between them t- the two yeah. it's very advantageous for immigrants
0: to be able to talk in front of their children without their children understanding yeah <laughs> so they did that to you
1: oh yeah. yeah and they still do that to you i suppose. They they still do <laughs> I've picked up a few words here and there, but...
0: You're getting a little wiser. Like, y'all are talking bit, about me right yeah, now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So growing up, it was really English. You English, grew up here yeah. in Houston.
1: Yes, I grew up here in Houston. Uh, um, so it was more, yeah, English is my first language. Okay. Uh, not really my minor dialect. I, I'm not really fluent in it. Okay. Uh, but English, so I speak English and, and a little bit of my language with my parents. So it's kind of a combination of the two. Do you speak any other languages? Uh, so, I know basic Mandarin.
0: Okay, um, uh, is that something you learned later on or growing yes, up as well? I
1: learned later on. Yes.
0: How'd that happen?
1: Um, so I go to the, my home parish is Ascension Chinese Mission. Okay. And um, as I got older, I felt like I I wanted to minister to that population somehow. So. It took a few lessons here and there, uh-huh. and eventually uh, I got proficient enough to take a test, and where it labeled me as level one proficiency. So uh, very basic level, but it, it's it's something. It's something. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: cool. Uh, That's cool. So you went through the effort. Was it easier for you because of your parents' background, or is it completely different? No,
1: completely different.
0: Okay, yes. so it's not like those Nordic languages that are similar, right? It's really a completely different language yeah, altogether. Yeah, completely different.
1: I never I'd never really learned how to read my language, uh-huh. so I only spoke it. But um, learning how to read Mandarin, that was that was an exercise on its own like a memory exercise because it's just almost like pictures, right? Yes, yes, you know, just symbols and it took a while to
0: memorize. You know what I just realized, have you ever tried doing that, you know, those DNA tests? like 23 and me did. and all of that. You did? did. Yes. Yeah, cuz yeah. that would be cool because because of your background growing uh, up, I mean, your parents growing up in Vietnam but being of of Chinese yeah. descent, were you able to find anything interesting?
1: Not really. They well every time they get more data, I think they keep changing the percentage of how Chinese I am. Yes. So at first I was probably like 90% Chinese and uh-huh. then eventually it goes down to like 70 something percent Chinese. Uh-huh. Because um, that that region, that southeast region of uh, Asia, there's a lot of migration. So yes, um, they don't really have a, I guess, accurate data set. Or yeah, they not have. What does it really mean? Those political barriers that yeah. they have now. Yeah. yeah. What does it really mean to be Vietnamese? What does it really mean to be uh-huh. Cambodian and all that? You know, exactly. Based on DNA, yeah.
0: That's so. that's cool. You probably do. You look in the mirror like I'm getting less Chinese by the second now, <laughs> based off of this app, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's cool. So the more and more data you get, have you have you been able to get in touch with any like distant relatives through the,
1: the app or anything? No, actually, no. Um, uh, they, they they show you know, like distant relatives, distant cousins, stuff like yeah. that. But I don't recognize anybody. No.
0: Maybe as as more people take it, it'll yeah. build up more data.
1: that be that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be a nice surprise.
0: You said in Singapore there was a larger population of people of your background. Is there a big population here in the United States or is it very small?
1: I'm actually in a little Facebook group uh, for for my language, uh, for my culture. But um, it seems like most of them are in California or, or New York or Canada around here, but not not so much. In Just in the
0: bigger population hubs because yeah. of the, the percentage, the chance yeah. of there being somebody yeah. from...
1: Okay, that's cool. And I'm not that fluent in it anyway. So <laughs> Oh, and they, they they're fluent. Yeah, they're pretty so good when they it, chat at it, yeah, it good. It's, it's like it, I have no idea what they are saying.
0: <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. Help me out here. <laughs> yeah, there's
1: an app for that, for my language. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome. So you are a former seminarian. Yes. And did you grow up with the idea that you were gonna become a priest? Or is it something that Came into your mind later on.
1: No, actually. Um, so I was baptized as a baby. Uh, uh-huh. Received my first communion at the age of ten. Okay. And then after that, we stopped going to church. And I, I was really happy that we stopped going to church. It was, really? Yeah. It was. It was really boring. Mass was so boring. Everything was boring. Um, and plus, it took me away from my Saturday cartoons. So, <laughs> so that that, that was. Um, I was I was really happy when they when we stopped going to church. Um, it wasn't until after high school uh, that I that I went to uh, Ascension Chinese Mission. Uh huh. You know, only by by a friend's invite, but no. Um, I didn't think about seminary or priesthood until way later, later on. Like I was twenty twenty five. Okay. Yeah.
0: So. Is there a reason why your family just stopped going to church? It just fell down, fell back in terms of priorities?
1: You got caught up in life. Is that what happened, or was there? So, so I la- I later found out that um, they didn't like the priest asking for money all the time. Okay, they, that's their perception of of church was the priest kept asking them for money, asking the congregation for money, and it rubbed them the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. We, was it a growing parish at the time? Was
0: it just very new?
1: No, it's it was been there. It's been there for a while. Um, they just they wanted the project. Yeah, they wanted to grow a little bit, have a new building. I think. Okay. Um, but I don't. I don't remember them asking for money. But I guess they remember it uh, very well. And we're lower middle, middle class, so, uh-huh. so to them and the people they knew, uh, they were like, "Well, why they why they keep asking for money and just rub like you said rubbed in the wrong way." And yeah, it was like, "All right, we're we're done." Okay. Yeah. Have your parents gone back to? No, they have not. Um, I think it's like a, like a habit or guilt, but they go they go to Christmas mass. Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so Christmas, Easter, those types of yeah. th- those types of masses. Yeah. Okay, and you said it, it, it happened in the late in your in your twenties that you first decided to pursue the priesthood. What, how did that start? Where did the first thoughts come
1: in? So, mm, so after, uh, after college, uh-huh. I, I joined the Houston Police Department. And, okay. Um, I've always wanted to be a cop. So seminary, all that religion stuff, I, I don't know anything about. I only knew one priest when I, be, when I uh, came back to the Catholic Church. And, okay. Uh, that was the pastor at Ascension, Father Z. So I didn't know any other priests. I didn't know what priests did, so. I said, "Okay, well, all I know is that I want to be a police officer and that's what I went for." Uh-huh. Um it was probably like my my third year as a police officer that I started having a realization that um is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Um my last year there uh, th- that that year, I remember Uh, We did a lot of enforcing uh, on um, homeless people, so we so we had to somehow clear the streets somehow or help them somehow. Okay. And the way that police officers do that is to enforce the law. Yes. And um, so I worked in downtown, and there were there were many class C misdemeanors that we could we could uh, approach homeless people for. Okay. So, like for example, they couldn't sit down on the sidewalk from seven a.m. to eleven p.m. at night. Uh, So. I was really zealous uh, okay. of, of doing that, so um, uh, so my numbers really were really good. I was enforcing that. I was taking homeless people to jail. Um, I was writing them tickets. They, they can't pay for tickets, so it, it becomes warrants, and so I take them to jail. Wow! Um, and then I remember at Mass. Uh, so you you said
0: zealous, how like you brought them in like every every day you brought in like a handful of people? Is that how? Yeah. So, so that was a lot of people you yeah, were bringing in.
1: Yeah. So it was, it was a couple, it was like a handful every day. Uh-huh. Um, We, we go in, well, me and a few others, we go in, uh, write tickets yeah. for, for minor, um, uh, minor, um, uh, minor law violations.
0: Things that probably could have, you could have let slide. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah.
1: Like if, um, for example, if, if someone in a suit mm-hmm. you know, with a suitcase or something like that, they, they worked there in downtown, yeah. they were just sitting there on a sidewalk just to have a break. Yeah, we wouldn't bother them. Yes. But uh, someone who had a bunch of stuff was, uh, you know, looked homeless, had, had stuff on, on the sidewalk, was just, or, or just causing some sort of disturbance. We would come in, I would come in, uh, give them a ticket, or tell them to leave. They don't leave. Arrest them, um, and I, I only enjoyed that because my numbers was going up. I I liked, I liked the. Uh, I was like like a top producer or something like that. Okay,
0: right? yeah, you're like like a number one salesman. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Huh? Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, it didn't really affect me until my last year there. Uh, when I when I went to mass, I heard the reading, the gospel reading, whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. Oh, and. Uh, that That really got to me, and I, I, I couldn't resolve that that feeling that I was possibly arresting Jesus. Yes. I, I, I wasn't catechized well, so I didn't really understand uh, so you couldn't wrap your head around it yeah.
0: and you left mass just yeah, like disturbed.
1: What am I doing? You
0: know? <laughs> I, I wanted to help people. Yes, is this,
1: is this how I'm helping people?
0: So you go into the police force thinking you want to help people, and then you find yourself putting people in jail that can't
1: afford to to yeah. pay the fines. How, I mean, how, I, I did other stuff, um, you know, to to help others, but that was that was the one thing that uh, really got to me: arresting homeless people and clearing the streets um, of of you know their stuff. You know, like if you if we arrest homeless people, we'd have to take their stuff away. Uh-huh. You can't just leave it there. That's their stuff. Yeah. And what do you do with it? Um, you just toss the, it. Well, the more valuable stuff, you know, we can we can bring it and um, we we tag it to the property room so the so they can get it when, when, they, they, get they, out. when they get out. Uh huh. But the like the shopping carts full of stuff. I I called in like the dump truck to come in to, wow. to throw all that stuff away. And, and this is stuff that they
0: worked hard that, to collect. That was, that was their stuff. And that got to you, huh? Yeah. And you said, you said it really got to you the last year you were doing it. So how many years had you had done it at this point when you heard that, that reading in mass that struck you?
1: So I was a police officer for about four years, less than four years. Okay, and I was at that station for majority of my time there. Uh huh. And so three years, three to yeah, somewhere around two or three years.
0: Two or three years, and that third year, that last year, it just got to you. Yeah. So you left mass You're your head is all over the place, what happens next? I was like,
1: there's, there's gotta be something that I can do. Uh-huh. To, to at least make my soul feel better, make my heart feel better. Yes. Um, but I, I just set that aside. Um, we, we, through my years as a police officer, I learned how to, uh, was it compartmentalize? Yes. Yeah, and, and it's like, okay, well, I'll deal with this later. Um, focus on the job. Yeah, focus on the job, uh-huh. deal with that later. So it wasn't until um, my, one of my coworkers invited me to, um, this is dumb, but invited me to uh, train for the bike patrol. Okay. So I'm not very good at riding a bike. Um, and my friends know this, they make fun of me about this a lot. But um, so during that training, uh, I broke my arm. Okay. So I broke my left arm, uh, and then, and then, I had the chance to to read. So, so I was put on desk duty, and what what I did was I just passed radios to radios and car keys to other officers.
0: Okay, because you couldn't be on the street because of your arm. Right. Okay.
1: Right. Uh, I, I had a book. A friend gave me this book called "In Good Company" by Father James Martin. Um, I don't read him anymore, but that book was was about his journey to the priesthood okay and it it showed how he went from corporate office from a corporate job he was making a lot of money to uh actually helping people like helping the homeless helping the um those who didn't have much to find christ uh-huh and that appealed to me i don't i don't know why it just appealed to me at that moment i i, I read the whole book i haven't I haven't done that in a long time.
0: It was the right book at the right time. Yeah. You yeah. were thinking about, do I want to do this the rest of my life? Yeah. Am I arresting Jesus? And now you've got this time on your hands because you're off the street and you're not compartmentalizing. And he gives you the book. and
1: it's... Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, after wow. that, I was still, my, my arm was, I was still recovering. And yes. Then, um, I remember... This, this, this author, Father James Martin, he's in uh-huh. New York. So I was like, well, I can just go to New York and visit him, right? So it, I did that. My arm's still broken, so I had some time off. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Flew to New York uh, to visit some friends uh-huh. and to also track down this priest, because I want to ask him some questions. Wow. I was like uh, uh, The only church there uh, that was Jesuit was St. Ignatius. Uh-huh. So I went there, and it was on a Sunday, I didn't know how church offices worked back then. So okay, they were they were pretty much closed. Yes, um, but luckily that day they had a they had a um, a Jesuit gathering. Okay, where all these different Jesuits were gathering to uh, to meet and talk, and I think it was a retreat at that moment. But I, I was able to talk to the receptionist, and I was like, "Hey, is there a priest on hand that I can talk to? Maybe Father James Martin." Yes, <laughs> and then she's like, no, no, "No, let me let me go back and see." So she brings out the vocation director for uh, the New York province, uh, Father Chuck Federico, uh, really good friend of mine now. But we spent an hour talking. Uh, he taught me how to pray. He uh, just asked me a bunch of questions about why I'm, why I'm, um, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling uh-huh. as a police officer. Yes. Mm-hmm. it was just a really helpful moment uh, and when he did what he did for me i was like well that's a profession that's something you can do for others like you you like i i told him father chuck you're able to teach me how to pray you're able to teach me how to really examine myself yes and people can do this like i can choose this as a profession He said yeah come check out the Jesuits. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's how, that's how um, I first started thinking about seminary um, was from that interaction with him, that meeting with him.
0: And then you come back to Houston and you look into it.
1: Yeah, come back to Houston, look into it. My arm's still recovering. I, I still had time to go around. Uh, I kept asking him questions like, uh-huh. Jesuits, you have, you have to be sent anywhere in the world. I was like, I, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to stay here in Houston. Yes. Um, and then, so, so I was like, well, okay. So there's priests in Houston. How do I get a hold of them? So I, so I finally end up looking up uh, the archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Okay. And that's where I met Father Dad. And he talked to me more about seminary. And I was like, okay, well uh he told me to go daily mass i didn't know there was a daily mass i thought mass was only offered on sunday on sunday okay <laughs> so like i i was like a new new catholic again i was like i didn't know that there was daily mass yes. i didn't even know that yes um so i learned more uh read more I actually read a uh, little bit of the bible i was really proud of myself then
0: <laughs> not just what you hear in church yeah just but now. you actually opened the book up yeah uh-huh
1: um and it just took less than a year um and then I, I told father dad okay i'm ready you do the application we did the application you're all in yeah all in it was hard to leave the police department uh, for me because i we did a lot of training to uh-huh. get in yes uh, 6 months in the academy and then 6 months it's an investment the tra- yeah yeah yes. most people don't leave they they yep. stay there till they retire and that's what i thought i was going to do
0: and did you go back onto the street or were you still in a castle when you decided to call it quits as an officer?
1: No, I, I went back on the street, uh, recovered, went back on the street. Um, and then how did that feel? I was I was definitely a little different. Um, whenever I encountered a homeless person, I would try to talk to them now instead of just going, okay, where's your ID? What are you doing here? Get yeah. out of
0: here. Giving them the whole nine degrees yeah. instead of that because you've had time now to process yeah, without compartmentalizing.
1: Exactly. And I was like, well, what can I do as a police officer to help them? Yes. Can I take them to a homeless shelter? So I, I tried doing that. Um, but if you don't have ID, you can't go in a sh- homeless shelter. Oh, you know, I didn't know that. If you're drunk, you can't go to a homeless shelter, of course, you know. Yeah. If you're intoxicated or something like that, or belligerent, you uh-huh. can't go to a homeless shelter. Wow. So if you don't qualify for a homeless shelter, then the only place for a police officer to really enforce the law and do his job is to take you to jail. Wow. Uh, over the recent years, they've they've reduced uh, that effort. Okay. Um, they've been trying, the police department, I think the city has been trying to help the homeless people even, uh-huh. a little bit more instead of just throwing them in jail. Yeah. Serve the time and then leave. And there are other the programs street. and stuff that yeah. they, did you run into
0: any of those people that you had, you know, been a little more, you know, for lack of a better word, cruel too. Did you run into any of them again?
1: There's, yeah, there's a few that I can remember, but um, most most part I don't remember their faces. Uh-huh. Like I said, like I compartmentalized. I didn't see them as yes. Um, I didn't see them as human persons. They were
0: just another ticket, another yeah. person, yeah. just getting in the way. You know? Wow,
1: getting the way and improving my stats. Yes. So. That's why that last year was really, uh, really hard on me, uh-huh. um, trying to resolve all that. Yeah. Wow.
0: Did uh, Did any of the other officers say anything to you when you told them, "Hey, I'm, I can't do this"? Or did you just not tell them the reason why you were leaving?
1: So I told them that I I, I wanted to discern to be a priest. Uh huh. And then they're like, "You're Catholic." So that, <laughs> that <laughs> I was surprised them that. Um, they didn't know I was Catholic, so that was—I don't know. So that said something about me, about how I lived. Okay. I was like, wow, I didn't live as a Catholic, so they didn't know I was a Catholic. I didn't, I didn't have a crucifix on me or anything like uh-huh. that. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. Were you, did, that, did that embarrass you? A little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, but no, they thought I was crazy. I was like, you're gonna leave this to go be a priest?
0: You you do so well. Your your numbers are so good. You're, you're very, quote, unquote, effective. Yeah. And I worked so
1: well with others. Uh-huh. Uh, even my lieutenant, she was like, you want to be like my crazy sister? Because her, her sister is a professor at St. Mary's. Okay. Just like, you want to be like her? Uh, learning about theology and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Like, wow. I didn't expect that. They all thought you were crazy. They, they all thought I, I was just throwing away my life. Like uh, throwing away my, throwing my career. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that I've worked hard for. Because you had invested a lot of time and effort into becoming a police officer and you were very good at it. Yeah. You were effective and now oh, yeah, you're just gonna you
1: know, you know the academy was was so hard. Um not the books part, but the uh the learning how to shoot. I never had a shot I never shot a gun before before uh-huh. that. Um learning how to drive tactically. Uh-huh. Like I remember, the driving course was like uh, we had to. The hardest one for me was reversing through a through a course. Oh, yeah. So you're
0: practically a stunt driver. Yes, pretty
1: much. Yeah, and that was hard. Uh, that was very difficult. Uh uh-huh. Learning how to fight, also. So shooting, fighting, driving. Wow. Those those were very difficult, and then it got even more challenging. Six months after the academy, so you you're put on a probation period, okay, uh, where you're with a trainer as a police officer. So you're on a street with a trainer. They take you around to all the calls. You try to do your best and um, whatever you can. And the trainer t- kind of steps in whenever you whenever you do something wrong or okay. We're not we're not safe enough. Uh huh. And then there's an evaluation after that. Yes. All that was just insanely difficult.
0: Yeah, because somebody's over- looking over your shoulder the entire time. Yeah. And you're, you're learning on the job in, in these crucial situations.
1: Yeah. Um, they, they evaluate how you responded to, uh, uh, to citizens. They responded how you drove, how you, even little things like how you park. Like if, if you're aware of your surroundings. Oh, they nitpick, huh? Yeah, right. Nitpick. And- Did you ever have to use your weapon? I had to take it out to aim it at people, you know, just to be safe. But yes. I, I never had to shoot anyone. So uh, thank God I never had to kill anyone. Uh, I don't take. Okay. So, so you never, were, you were, never had
0: to fire your weapon. Yes. And,
1: never had to fire. But so any other hand to hand? Hand to hand. Yep. You a had to of, do. A lot of dragging people, a lot of. Um, wow. Just kind of basic wrestling here and there. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. Uh, you, I had people helping me. You know, you know whenever you yes. call on the radio, people would help. Uh, people, Other officers would come and help yeah it was so for the most part, being a police officer was mostly writing reports, so that okay, um dealing with citizens, dealing with other things. Uh, but my last year there at the police department was um, enforcing the law on homeless people, so uh uh-huh.
0: did you ever run into any of those um difficult situations like the George Floyd type situation?
1: It wasn't that prevalent when I was going through the police stuff at Harvard uh-huh. apartment. Um, the biggest, I guess, protest was uh, Occupy Wall Street. Okay. Yeah. At the time. Yes. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Um, but you weren't
0: personally involved in any of those uh, types of situations where it was kind of borderline. Oh, I don't know if what we're doing here is. Oh no.
1: No. no okay. Yeah. It was. It was all. It was all by the books, but it was. I, I don't know if it was morally acceptable you know like um it's legally right
0: right but morally ethically it might not necessarily be the right thing to do huh
1: yeah like uh there's a joke that you can't breathe in houston without getting a ticket so (laughs) those classy misdemeanors, man there there is a huge list like you can arrest someone um you can arrest someone simply for having low air in their tires you know like you know like little things wow. like that if they if they can't pay for the ticket of course like you, you said
0: you know if they're just sitting on a park bench resting for a second you can give them a ticket
1: if they lay down on a sidewalk if they put their stuff on the sidewalk wow little things so you, you can give them a ticket become worn yeah you know, wow yeah. that was a good That was a good um tactic you know uh, that way you can approach the person approach the suspect and um really see what's going on see if there's anything else see if there's anything else yes okay but most of the time when I was enforcing the homeless uh, population it was it was a minor infractions uh, but but for the most part you know you have to I, I only see the I can see the practical aspect of it is you know you don't want just dirty streets and dirty yes, sidewalks a, yes. you, know, you got corporate buildings you got you got tourists yes and so you, you do your best uh, to control that, yeah, and you don't
0: want somebody masquerading as a homeless person putting a bomb on the street or something like that, oh sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, so you said occupy wall street did what was your experience with that did they, there were protests in Houston, and you had to
1: respond, yeah, so uh, I was also part of a um special response group, okay, and those th- that group um, deals with protests and riots. So we had riot gear we, we were ready just in case they they got out of hand uh-huh. but eventually that that movement kind of kind of um died off they 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 started just occupying the the city hall park okay they were just there um camping and everything and then the the movement kind of died down a little bit, And yes. then after that it was just uh, homeless people with tents okay, and then at one point we were all like called up and said okay we're t- it's time to kind of yeah. just these get aren't, pro- they're not protesters yeah, anymore. Yeah, time to get them out. Okay. So we came in, uh, it was methodical. It was, it wasn't cruel. It was, it was very, very um, um efficient. Okay. There was no, not that many incidents as, as it is now. It's, it's very controversial now. Yes. Um, with police interaction and all that stuff. But back then, I didn't, I didn't deal with. Um, so you
0: didn't see market. anything that was questionable. You didn't see anything that. I mean, in terms of you know, um, questionable in terms of you know, uh, police violence or anything like that.
1: Yeah, now not with okay. now with um, now with my career, I guess Not okay. with with the people I was with. Um,
0: Do you think you were chosen for that task force or that response unit? Excuse me, because of your history of having good numbers.
1: No, um, actually, if you if you. If an officer is stationed at that downtown station, they had to go into that special okay. response group. They okay. had to learn how to um, control riots. Okay, so
0: they didn't look at you and say, "Hey, this
1: guy." No, he's no, got I'm, good not, I'm not. I'm not that out. good. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no yeah, uh, we had to go through the riot training. It was, it was interesting because they, they actually uh, it was like a week long program, and uh, we had to we had to learn how to use a baton. We had to learn how to put on our helmets for a riot. With the shield gear, and the everything, re- the riot gear, the shield. Wow. Yep. And then, uh we got a little taste of tear gas, Oof. so that that wasn't fun, uh, yeah, I remember my my eyes were watery, uh-huh. all the pores of my skin were on fire., uh, my nose was running wow, so that was that was part of the training to kind of understand how it feels,
0: yeah, to kind of desensitize you, I suppose, huh, because you're yeah. going to be in the vicinity of tear gas, yeah, if ever wow so you you decide to leave the police force. what happens there what because um, you're leaving your your job yeah, and you're deciding to go into the seminary. So do you go straight into the seminary
1: from the police force? Yep, straight in. Um, I left in June of, June of 2012. Um, I entered seminary in August that same year, two months later. Uh, started at Holy Trinity Seminary in Dallas. Okay. Spent the whole year there. Um, it was challenging. Uh, so just one year, my, my first yeah, my first year there. Okay, uh, I've never learned philosophy. I didn't know philosophy at all. Philosophy was so hard, so foreign. Um, uh-huh. So as pre-theologians, uh, we already had a, a undergraduate degree, so okay. we had to we just got we just go in and get some philosophy credits. Yes, and what was your degree in uh, criminal justice? Okay, yeah. so. So for my first semester, I remember taking introduction to philosophy, like those introductory courses. Uh-huh. And then in the same semester, an hour later, we get like an advanced philosophy course. So <laughs> at one course, introduction introduction to philosophy is like yes. okay, read this book, read the Republic. It was like one of the first books that you had to read. Okay. And then the next hour, a different class, it's like, oh, they they assume that you've already read it. So they're talking about it. They're Oh wow. was so like, okay, well. I didn't read it yet. That was that was my first class. It was an hour ago. Yeah, it was an hour ago, and so it was it was challenging. It was wow. it was like a, it was like a catch up. And I remember in uh, in those classrooms, they had like really intelligent students because you know they they've done philosophy before. Uh-huh. They're asking all these really good questions. I'm like, what are they asking? What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so so I, you felt like you were behind. Yeah, very behind. I felt very behind. Um, but it was it was helpful. It was nice that other seminarians we we would help each other. Out and that's what I really liked about the seminary. It was like this brotherhood, mm-hmm. um, this camaraderie. Uh, what what I experienced in the police department, I also experienced in the seminary. It was this camaraderie. Everybody helps each other out. Okay, so where did you go to college
0: for your um, for your bachelor's degree in criminal justice?
1: I went to University of Houston downtown. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you're really a really a Houston. Oh, person. yes, yes. Never left here uh, until my first year of seminary. I went to Dallas. So that's
0: that was your first experience being like out of town, huh? Yes,
1: being away from Houston, yeah.
0: So you stayed with your, I'm guessing you stayed with your family while you were in college, or did you dorm?
1: Yes, I stayed with my family, yes. Yeah, I commuted every, like four days out of the week. Uh-huh. Yeah, commuted to downtown, all the way from Southwest Houston. So
0: this was your first real experience being away from home? Yes. How was that, that, that first year as well, being lost with the philosophy subjects? And w- was it tough? That way as well, being far from home, or, or was it fun being on your
1: own? It was actually fun. It was actually fun because I never had a college, you know, college experience uh-huh. where you would live in a dorm. And, yes, yes, and go to classes and go f- to classes from the dorm, uh, and then be actually involved with the student life. I never, I never experienced that, and that was re- that was really nice. Um, I got to know other seminarians uh, where they came from, made some really good friends um and the classes were just across the hill at university of dallas uh-huh they had like other student events stuff like that that we could be involved in and for the most part yeah it was it was a college experience for me my first college experience away from home um was father david michael with you yes father david michael was with me, with me. uh father ricardo areola then you had him on a, on your show yes uh so they were in my class. Uh, and
0: So you were all a group of seminarians just taking classes, hanging out? Yes, yeah. And all that in in Dallas? Yes, in Dallas, yeah.
1: So I was there for for two semesters, a whole year. Okay. Um, but my last semester there, I, I was having difficulty uh, with the discernment. Okay. Like, Is this really what I want to do? Uh, because after the... Get this, after the first semester at University of Dallas at uh-huh. um, Holy Trinity Seminary, my class, we started out with 16 people, uh, okay. 16 guys from all different dioceses. And then after that first semester, eight of them, half of the class discerned out. Oh, wow. So, So a pretty big percentage of guys
0: that you knew and had gotten close to were just gone.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So did it make you think, oh, maybe this isn't right for me either, huh?
1: I was like, uh, they didn't say anything because I only found out when I came back in January. Oh, they just up and disappeared. Disappeared. And I was like, did I not get the message? Wow. <laughs> what, what happened? Uh, am I missing something? Uh-huh. So that jarred me a little bit. Um, I remember talking to uh, Father Rick about this at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like, what is happening? Why did everyone just leave? Did we not get the message? What's uh-huh. going on here? So that stuck in my head, and also, my parents didn't want me to be in the seminary either. They didn't want me being a a priest.
0: Oh, Uh, because they they hadn't been going to church. They didn't like. They had that you know that bad taste in their mouth from from the parish that they felt was asking for too much money.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, they didn't want me being celibate. So they had their ideas of what priests were. Um, Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have two sisters and one brother. I'm the oldest. Okay. So, I'm the oldest son. Okay. And they expect me, they never told me this, but uh, I've always got that from them. They expected me to, um, to be with them you know, when uh, they get older, them, to take uh, care of them. Yeah.
0: As, was, as the eldest son, it was kind of understood that that was your responsibility.
1: Yeah. So, my mom, especially, she thought I was, I was going to be a priest and just go off to a different side of the world. And
0: they'd never see you again.
1: Never see me again. Yeah, I told her, no, this is diocesan priesthood. This is, you know, within the city limits. Uh It didn't help that I was going to Dallas, you know, for for the first year. Oh, uh, because there's that detachment. Yeah. And it was a good detachment for me, at least, uh, Uh for my discernment. So it'd be independent from wherever they feel, wherever wherever their opinions were. Mm -hmm. But that guilt was still around. Yes. Like guilt of leaving my family, of- Eldest son. Yeah, being the eldest son. Responsibilities. Right. And so my second semester there at UD, um, these thoughts really came into my mind a lot more, primarily because of those guys that discerned out. Yes. It really hit me.
0: Do you think it would have been easier for you if you weren't the eldest son, if you were like the younger son? Do you think that your parents wouldn't have had that expectation as much?
1: I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but I know that looking back, it was mostly in my head. Okay. Yeah. Like,
0: So it's not like um, your cultural background and l- the parents? A little
1: bit of cultural background, but it was mostly in my head, my interpretation of it, my perception of okay. uh, their need. Like I thought they needed me a lot more than they actually do. And so, um. So I discerned out actually after that first year. Okay. Um and then I tried going back to p- the police department.
2: Oh, yeah. really?
1: Yeah. Uh this was really I I kind of regret doing that. Um because what happened was uh when I left, uh, I left in good standing. Yes. I had they got to they let me keep my badge. So they let me keep my um, police badge. Okay. So I can put it on a wall or something like that. Yes. And then and then when I tried to go back, I was able to go back um, through, through interviews, through qualification again, qualifying with my firearm, uh-huh. uh, uh, qualifying with the, the physical aspects of uh, like running a track or something like that. Uh-huh. And then I got back and then within a month, I had anxiety. Wow. It, it was the weirdest thing. Like I, I put on that uniform and then I just felt something wrong. It was like, it was not right. And then I was back on the street and going home. I remember just going home and just not, not being able to eat, not being able to sleep. Wow. Um, and then so I, I was like, okay, well, this is definitely not me uh, anymore. Because
0: your perspective
1: has completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot about uh, my religion, a lot yes. of le- learning about Catholic faith uh-huh. and philosophy. Philosophy. My way of thinking was different because philosophy really helped shape how I think. Uh, th- wow! Made me think clearer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My spiritual life was was a lot better, um, more rich. Uh huh. So,
0: yeah. So you would approach these situations and you'd process them a lot differently because of the way you were trained in your philosophy and your theology classes. You'd look at it in a completely different way,
1: huh? Yeah. You can imagine a police officer when you call them, it's like waking up a dragon. In a sense, like okay they're there they're they're there to do something, take action, take action, do something, yeah. and go mm-hmm. um, they don't want a, a little conversation or anything, just there do your thing, get out and go uh-huh um but in the seminary, it was like to help someone you you'd be with them, um journey with them, uh-huh. talk, have a great conversation and really talk about Christ, talk about being Catholic. Uh-huh. talk about how to pray, all these, all these beautiful things. And that's
0: not to say that it's not good, that there's, you sure, know. Sure, sure, yes, yes. For, for a cop, sometimes you need that. Right. You need somebody who just takes action, you know, without stopping too much to process and think and, and analyze. And right. You,
1: yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, after that month, I left the police department again. and What I, did they say to you then when you left again? like, are you sure? Like, wh- what are you doing? Are we going to see you again in yeah. another year? And it's like, this is your last time. No, You're not coming back anymore. Yeah. Th- that was it. And then Did I Did they notice something different from you while you were on the streets? It was a, well, it was a different um, station that I was okay, stationed okay. at. So they didn't know me at all. Okay.
0: All they knew was that you left and you came back.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's all they know. And I even asked like a silly question. I was like, can I, can I have the badge again? When I left, and I was like, they were like, "No, absolutely not. You, you, you're leaving in just a month. Absolutely not." Oh, so that, that so it was re- the same badge, same badge, yep. And so no souvenir, yep, no souvenir taken. <laughs> yeah, and, and looking back, it was a good thing because then I didn't have this thing distracting me and reminding me. Like yeah, yeah, like I can move on. I can burn that bridge. Mm. I can move on instead of saying, "What if?" or "Should or, should I have done this? Should I do that?" And it. Yeah, it was was really good detachment, a lesson on detachment. So let's go back to you discerning out. Okay. How did that process go? So uh, I I got to visit with my spiritual director. Uh Uh, We have regular visits with them uh, at the seminary. And I just said, I just told him like, what I I just shared with you, like all those guys discerned out. Yeah. What is happening? What is going on? I thought we had a good thing going. Yes. Um, and I told him, my prayer life just kind of feels weird. I just distract. I'm just, just distracted a lot now. Uh uh-huh. Um, I can't really focus on the studies. I'm always asking, "What if? Okay. Should I have done that? Okay. Should I go back to the police department because yes. it was it was awesome there? And you were good at what you did. I was good at what I was at what I was, what I did. Um, but with with those sessions with the spirit director, we, we determined. Well, I was romanticizing the past, mm-hmm. but uh, it didn't click until, until after I got back in the police department and I left.
0: And you actually saw what yeah. the past looked like.
1: Yeah, saw it with um, as it truly was. Uh huh. I I was happy. I liked it, but I wasn't at peace. I wasn't joyful. I wasn't. It wasn't fulfilling.
0: Okay. So you, you, so you talked to your spiritual director and did they come to the de- determination, the two of you that, okay, let's.
1: I came to that determination. Um, mostly, it was mostly me. Okay. I, I didn't know at the time that I was romanticizing the past. Okay. So I, w- I was just fixated at just going back, just going backwards. Cause I was like, I, I could be a better cop this time, you know, with the prayer life, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh uh huh knowing my faith. I can help these homeless people. Yeah. I can help people more intimately now. Mm-hmm.
0: So your, your spiritual director, did they tell you, uh, I'm not sure if this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. He warned me. And you me. just
1: wouldn't listen. He warned me. I, I wouldn't listen. The director, same thing. He was like, are you sure, Matt? I mean, uh huh. stay another year. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm And you had, go. you were set already. Yeah. I was already set.
0: Okay. Yeah. And how was that with the other seminarians at the time, you know, Father David Michael, Father Rick—you know the guys that you'd
1: you'd come to bond with—that were still sticking around. They were strong, and and um in the discernment, they were strong. They uh-huh. they were settled in in the seminary at that point, from what they told me. Uh huh. Um. So for me, I felt a little bad. I was like, I'm leaving you guys.
0: Okay, so you did talk to them. You weren't one of those that yeah. disappeared. No, I, I didn't disappear. <laughs> no, I. I
1: Good conversation with Rick, and yeah, like I I teared up a little bit. I was like, I don't want to leave you guys, but I just feel like I'm too distracted at my past or distracted at what I think I want. Uh huh. And so I left after uh, having a good conversation with them and giving them a little warning that I would leave at the end of semester. Uh huh.
0: That must have been tough because you know, you've gone through this together yeah it's it's intense from yeah. you know from the, the past guests that we've had it's 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 an experience you're you're brothers in arms yes going yeah. through something together something very difficult something challenging
1: you're growing together yeah and then you're leaving them yeah and that's why i liked about the seminary i it was the first time i ever really felt a sense of belonging um, brotherhood. camaraderie brotherhood. yeah yeah, yeah. Like everybody had the same goal we're, yeah. all, we're all going through these challenges for the same goal yes priesthood or discerning where our vocation is right.
0: um, like a military unit
1: yeah 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 it was. and then so i'm out of the seminary and then um, i still had this tendency of looking back
0: so did you think of going back to the seminary
1: so I, and that's exactly what i did you went back <laughs> went okay back. so who did you talk to you talked to father dad again I talked to Father Dad. He he took me to a come and see in Louisiana. Okay. Uh, St. Joseph's, I think. St. Joseph's Seminary.
0: And what did he say to you when you first called him? He said, I knew you'd be back? Or yeah, he, <laughs> he, knew,
1: he knew. He knew he at least I would call him again. Uh-huh. Um, and then it, it was a transition for him too. It was Father Dad was was um, fixing to leave. that that
0: um, Oh, so this was near the end of his tenure as a vocation, yeah, vocation director. director? Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then Father T.J. came in. Uh-huh. Uh, so by the time I was done with my paperwork again and my interviews again to get back in the seminary, uh, oh, Father T.J., yeah, Father Dad was gone and Father T.J. Father came in.
2: Okay.
0: And how long was this after you left the seminary? Was this... Um...
1: It was a year. So, so a whole uh, year. Yeah, a whole year. Okay. Yeah, a whole year outside of seminary. I, uh, so... During that time, when I was out of the seminary, I was you know, went went to the police department, became a police officer again, yes. left again, okay, um, and then I was able to find work. Um, luckily, a, a parishioner at my home parish offered uh-huh. me a job at their company. Okay, so it was it was nice. And then I just, but I just felt like I messed up in my discernment. Like I didn't give it a good, good shot.
0: You didn't like, give it your your whole, whole your yeah, whole effort, yeah. yeah.
1: I was I was too distracted with the past. I was not 100% there. Okay. Um and then so I Father Dad and Father TJ in their transition they they de- they determined that I'd be better off at St. Mary's Seminary in Houston. Okay, rather than going out of town. Rather than going out of town, rather than going to going back to uh, Dallas. Uh-huh. What did your parents say?
0: Did they say, "Oh, look at this guy, he's flip-flopping?"
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're like, well, "What are you doing?" What are you doing with your life? You, you want to do this? You want to do that?
0: You're well, losing focus. Yeah. Choose uh, one thing and stick with it. Is that pretty much what they said? Choose one thing as
1: long as it's not the priesthood. Oh. Then, <laughs> choose one thing as as long as you're not going back to the seminary. Wow. Um. Yeah, it made them really mad uh, and really sad that I was going back to the seminary too.
0: They're probably thinking to themselves, this is our oldest son. This is the guy that's going to take care of us and he, he can't decide what he
1: wants to do. Yeah. But thankful, thankfully, um, God's providence. Um, my my niece was born from uh, one of my sisters. Okay, my niece was born uh, as I was discerning back into the seminary. Okay, and um, so they were distracted with the little baby. Of course, so. first, first grandchild. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, oh, first grandchild. That's all that it's about for the uh, grandparents. Yes, yeah. so they were distracted. So I, I I was able to detach myself a little bit more. Okay. And really focus one hundred percent in at St. Mary's Seminary. Okay, um, and I loved it there. Uh, I saw the guys that I saw back in Dallas. They they transitioned into uh, St. Mary's for their oh, theology. Oh, because they finished their yeah, they, yeah.
0: their degree there, and they came here for the the next degree. Huh? Yeah. Oh, because they were like you. They already had college degrees, yes. so they were just there for for two years, and then they'd come back here. Yes. So that's a nice
1: homecoming, huh? It's yes, a reunion. Yes. Hey, I'm yes. back. So they're like, hey, what's up? Hey, and I was like, oh, cool. This, you know, I saw familiar faces. That's fantastic. So it wasn't like just starting fresh all over again. I saw familiar faces. I knew them. They knew me. Yes. So it was a, it was, I had it a, um. I had a better sense of belonging at that second go. Yes. So, and this time, by this time, I was, I was still, I still had to complete my philosophy part of it, my philosophy credits. So I went to St. Thomas um, for that. Uh, Then I learned, um, then I went to uh, theology classes. Okay. Did you complete a degree? So I was there two, two and a half years so uh, i started pre-theolo- pre-theologian one okay well uh, at st mary's i was pre-theologian two and then i went up to second theology okay and, I, and um at that point i was taking a lot of theology classes with the guys um father david michael and uh, father rick at that time they were they were at they were in a pastoral year so I didn't, I didn't really get to see them that often okay um, but they were i made, at their parishes yes they were at their parishes and i made other uh-huh. you know, other seminary friends so it was okay in my class because I changed classes at that point when I came back. You they were a, were a year back. ahead of me yeah. and I was a year um, behind. And you know I, I was really involved with with the seminary life. It, I was giving it my 100 um, percent and then last year there, my last sem- semester there, it was a weird feeling in my spiritual life Felt, you know, like uh, when you're when you're fixing up a puzzle, yes. And there's like this one piece that barely fits, but you're trying to jam it in, okay. to make sure it fits. Uh huh. That was me. That was me. I was trying to j- just jam myself into uh, the priesthood. The priesthood. Uh, okay. And I just felt like I didn't really belong. I was like, this must be during my prayer like prayers. I was like, this must be like some sort of distraction. I must be like afraid of commitment and I, I i was i was afraid of commitment okay a little bit and then so this pattern starts all over again okay talking to my spiritual director like you here here we are again here we go again this is a different spiritual director is a father Bruni. uh-huh and he's he's like man ah, you got to give it another semester come on give it another year yeah and all over again, I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. I just feel like I don't, I shouldn't continue. And he's probably
0: saying to you, you don't want this to happen all over again, and you're yeah. gonna come back again. And yeah.
1: But this time, I wasn't romanticizing the past. Uh huh. I was looking for to the future. Uh huh. I was like, I gotta do something else.
0: Did the idea of celibacy was that weighing on you? because I know a lot of seminarians that's a that's a big you know big point you know big thing that they
1: have to to wrestle with celibacy yeah. celibacy um, definitely weighed on me um, mostly the fear of being alone okay and the funny thing was after i left the seminary that second time uh-huh i felt more alone than i ever felt before so being in a seminary i it wasn't i didn't feel alone but it was this fear of being alone okay that really got to me and then when i when i did leave the seminary that second time i was more alone than ever before and i wasn't celibate anymore i was i was you know i left the seminary I, you're going out i'm i'm going to go out and i don't the have to the door was open for, yeah, for, right. for for dating and all of that Right?
0: did you date uh during that one year that you were you went back to you know the
1: private sector after no your, i did not no you did
0: no. So there was no, that wasn't one of those things that, hey, I can think now. No, you know? it wasn't.
1: Yeah, that was a surprising thing. I, I was more focused on what I need to do for my life.
0: Career um, driven. Career, yeah. Okay. What,
1: what I, what I got to do. You know, every time I left the seminary or left something that I, that I enjoyed, I lost a sense of identity. Okay. And there was this sense of grief that I had to process. Yes. Um, what they say is like men, if if they leave their occupation, they they leave they they tie their occupation with their identity, right? Yes. And so I tied my occupa- occupation my, with my identity. You're
0: no longer Matt the police officer, right. you know, longer Matt the seminarian. Yeah. Like, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. I had that. I had that same experience when I left teaching mm. for a while. Like, what am I doing now? Who am I? You know, this was yeah. my focus. I was, you know, when you introduce yourself to people. Who, Hey, what do you do? Yeah,
1: exactly. Right? Yeah. You don't know how to answer. Yeah. What do I do? What am I? And it was almost wow. uh, almost shameful, almost like, yes. Like, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm kind of in between. I'm kind of in between. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just left seminary again. You left seminary again? What are you doing? So, the uh, second time that you left seminary,
0: was this it? That was it. And did you know that this was it?
1: No. I was, part of me was still a little bit open. To okay. going back, and what? How
0: was their reaction to you different? Was it the same thing? Oh, you're probably going to be back, or was it did they feel like this was it for you?
1: Well, uh, your spiritual
0: director and they, they director,
1: they were still trying to encourage me to go back. Okay, uh, my spiritual director, he was he he was open. You know, like he was still objective. Okay, as much as he could be, but he kept saying, what well, Come back, check it out. You know, it's no shame coming back a third time. Yeah, I was like, oh, that just that's keep the door open. Yeah. in case you want. Yeah, yeah. Right off the bat, right off the bat, right when I left the second time, I joined a nonprofit. I got a job at a nonprofit uh-huh. uh, to work in their family violence uh, division to counsel or t- to help out victims of family violence find a place uh-huh. to live and all that stuff. Uh, and this anxiety came back. The same anxiety same. that you had was
0: uh, yeah. when you went back to being a police officer. Yeah.
1: Same anxiety. I was like, what are you telling me, God? What, are you, What is going on? Uh-huh. Like, why can't I hold a job? What is happening? Um. So I, I I eventually quit that job too. So at this moment, like I'm talking to you about identity. I'm yeah. like, so confused. Yeah. Who am I? What am I doing with my life? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I even went to a counselor just to just to talk, figure out well, is there something wrong? Yes, with my um, my mind or something. What did your parents say? They, they were supportive as long okay. as I was out of the seminary. They were supportive.
0: Okay, so they were they were yeah. fine with what you did. Yeah. And what did the counselor
1: say? She was like, well, "You need some time to think about your life." Okay, so. Because you know, bouncing around after after the police department, I bounced right into the seminary. Yes. After seminary, I I went into uh, a a job that that helped. That helped, but it paid the uh, bills. That paid the bills. Yeah, yeah. but I, I was jumping yeah uh, too quickly. It I got did,
0: you by, but there was no trajectory of your career.
1: Right. Yeah. And so um, I jumped back into the seminary the uh-huh. second time, um, uh-huh. and then after leaving, I jumped into that nonprofit job. Okay, so the spiritual, my spiritual director he still he talks to me he still talked to me back then and um, he was like okay well time to grieve he gave me a great book to read mm. it was called ruthless trust trusting in God like absolutely with your life and uh-huh. how to do that uh huh um, so what, what, I, I, is that the name of the book ruthless trust yes ruthless trust yeah. do you know the name of the author uh, Brennan Manning I think okay. But it was a really good book because um, it he talks about how, how we utilize our we how we should utilize our our wounds our our flaws and in order to use them to help other people. So like like the the wounds of Christ saved the world. So uh-huh. kind of like the wounds of ourselves kind of can help other people. Yes. You don't know you don't know how you help, but somehow uh-huh. God's working through you. Yes. So that book really helped, but uh, Father Rooney, he just told me, you gotta take a break. Uh-huh. You gotta grieve. You gotta grieve your loss of I- identity. So I spent uh, like four months just figuring out what to do.
0: Like just you read this book and read,
1: yeah. processed it and. Just um, had a tight four months time off. You no, know, No work, nothing. I felt
0: really bad, but. It was something I had to do. You were you were searching for yourself. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. It was it was tough. Um, leaving seminary was tough. Um, not many people know that. I guess um, that that when a man discerns out, is it traumatic? Minor, I guess. But it. Uh uh-huh. There's a there's a grieving process that must take place. Okay. For every every guy that discerns out. Yeah, some discern out and they fall off, you know, the deep end, you know, in a negative way, depression, all this other stuff. Yeah, because uh, you come out and what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. yeah. Or they're dismissed. worse they're dismissed oh. out of the seminary.
0: So, um, did you did you know any guys that were dismissed out of the seminary? Yeah. yeah. Was it? What are the reasons why somebody would be dismissed out of seminary?
1: It's so maturity level is the the biggest reason. Really. So. Probably not not understanding their own um, boundaries. Okay, you
0: know? um, that must be a a very difficult thing to it, it, like em, embarrassing of sorts to be to have uh, to be asked to leave the seminary, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that really that's probably more tra- traumatizing than yeah you know, just leaving on your own. Yes, um, but yeah, thankfully I left on my own, and but still I still had to process through. Uh huh. Through all that experience, through all those years that I've been at the seminary, um, what I learned.
0: What was your conversation with, um, with the friends that you would made, the fellow seminarians that were on their way to the priesthood?
1: Well, I I, I kept uh, asking them before I left, especially I asked them like, how do you how are you still so sure? Uh huh. Like I I was never sure. Okay. Um, but how? how are you guys so sure? And they, they would always tell me like, no, I'm not that sure. I'm just, I'm just going to keep going every year by year until. Just trying to power through. Yeah. Power through uh-huh. or, or um I know Rick. he, he was like, I want to be here. I, I know that, you know, like, uh-huh. I was like, how do you do that? How do you know?
0: <laughs> so uh, it's funny how you call him, you call him Rick because you, you have that relationship from before he became, you know, a priest. Yeah. I, I need to stop doing that. I need to, <laughs> I
2: call him Father Rick.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's that kind of bond that yeah. you have, you know, being a seminarian.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was actually the like a role model for me uh, to go back to the seminary because he he was very encouraging, very um, very pastoral even then. So it was really helpful to to have another brother to look up to and then um, to discern with. So you decide to
0: leave this time and you, you, you tell them that you're leaving. And at what point do you know that this is, the, this is it for good?
1: So I learned that um, I was anxious at those different jobs because they weren't meant for me. Okay. Um, it was a weird way of God telling me to go, like this violent way of telling me to go, like go do something else. And what that something else was, was parish ministry. I never considered parish ministry as a uh-huh. lay person. I was like, "Yeah, that's for the priest. That's for what priests do. And that's what seminarians do. Yes. I, I I don't need to be involved in that. You know, I can, I can volunteer. Yeah, that's fine. But uh-huh. as a, as a career, really? So, um, so my way of figuring out if that was for me was, uh, there was a part-time youth ministry job that was, that was offered at St. Matthias in Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, part-time okay um i can i could do that so that way i can kind of ease myself in because i I was still scared about my anxiety i Uh was like okay hopefully it doesn't like spur up again out of nowhere Uh so just test it out a little bit yeah just test it out a little Uh bit so so i went there uh and i had fun i was like this is a this is a job this is a this can be a career. <laughs> they're paying me to do yeah, this. Yeah, they're paying me to do this to <laughs> to talk with kids, to uh, mentor them, uh, to do these little um, retreats and events with them. Uh huh. I like, no way. This this can be a career.
0: And so, is this what you've been searching for all along? Is that what you felt? This is what yeah. I I've been wanting to do. Yeah. Ever I, since you were a cop.
1: Yeah. Ever since I was a cop. Uh. In in this. In the seminary too, when we we got to go visit churches, we get to minister a little bit. Uh Um, And that was always fun. I always enjoyed it. And then when I finally got to go actually do that for real Uh and not feel anxiety, feel like I'm doing something right. Yes. Feel like um, this is part of God's will. Yes. I was like, no way, no way. I'm gonna work for a parish, no way. Uh huh. So I was there for a year until um, I was like, okay, well, I'm ready for full time. Then let's let's do something full time. Yeah, yeah. And then Father Christian, at you Saint found Ed- your thing. You're like, yeah, let's go all in now. So Father Christian at Saint Edward offered me a, a job at uh-huh. uh, Saint Edward um, to be to coordinate the liturgy, and I've been there since well like three years now, and I I love it. So all this time, God surprises me. Like Uh he's the God for me. He's the God of surprises. Uh Every, every time I, I think I got something, I know I I got it. It, it fails. Uh Like I thought, okay, I'm going to leave a seminary. I know what to do now. Fails. (laughs) I'm going to go to that nonprofit. That that's probably what I want to do. Fails. Going back to the police department, same thing. Failed.
0: Go back to the seminary again.
1: Yeah didn't work out, but I loved seminary. I mean, I learned a uh, lot. Uh-huh. Uh, but then this, you know, these two jobs came out of nowhere part time youth ministry and then full time coordinating liturgy.
0: Do you feel like God was telling you, Hey, this is what I've been trying to nudge you into doing all along? And yeah, and you just couldn't get the picture.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I am so thankful for all the. I guess all the troubles that I've gone through. Uh huh. Um, so you don't regret the whole discernment process at all? I don't. Uh, Even
0: though it was difficult going in and out, the embarrassment yeah. of coming back to yeah. all of that completely worth it.
1: All worth it. Um, you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't think it was worth it. At the uh-huh. time, I was just like, oh my God, what are you doing? Uh huh. Why am I feeling this? What, what is happening? Like, I remember that second when when I was in the seminary the second time. Here at Saint Mary's, oh, I spent a lot of time in that chapel. Beautiful chapel for one thing, but like it was such a prayerful experience there. And uh-huh. I remember many times I was like, "Why, well, God, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why am I feeling like I don't belong now?" Like I thought you wanted me to be a priest, be your uh-huh. priest. So what, what is happening? I like, can imagine many tears were shed in that chapel. Oh yeah. Yeah, me and other guys all too. The other, all, all the other yeah. guys. That that place is so sacred for for priests and for people who discerned out. Yeah. For everybody that, that walked in there. Um Yeah. I have a lot of good memories from from St. Mary's Seminary, even from uh Holy Trinity Seminary. It's just the the brothers that I've got to know. Now they're priests or they've, they're married now or something.
0: What did it feel like watching them become
1: priests? So I remember for uh, Father Rick's ordination to the diaconate. Uh-huh. After his ordination, I, I came up to him and I was like, you made it. And just gave him a big hug. I was like, you made it. And uh-huh. He was like, yeah, I made it. <laughs> wow. It was, it was just this, this sigh of relief. Like going through all that. All the, like I understood their, their journey. And... I had the privilege of, of, joining them in that and kind of seeing what they went through yeah. those
0: early years and I, I could imagine you had some private conversations with them regarding yeah. your discernment,
1: yeah, and your difficulties. Yeah, and we shared with it with each other our difficulties. Um, but yeah, to finally see him at his ordination and to finally get up there and say you made it. Uh uh-huh. like, We we knew it, we knew like all those all that. Pain, all that trouble, all the all those all those classes that were really difficult, or or just just a difficult, you know, prayer life, figuring out, discerning. It's just to see them get ordained. It's like ah, made it.
0: It you yeah, Done. you have a special bond with them. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like seeing. Somebody in your military unit that you were in the mud with get a uh, you know a distinguished medal of some sort like the Medal of Honor or something. Yeah. That's probably what it's like, huh? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's beautiful to see that. And and then when they became priests, what was that like? Were you there at their ordination?
1: I don't. I don't think so. I think no. I I did. I ca- I caught the end because I couldn't find parking. I was really late. <laughs> <laughs> I was really late. I couldn't find parking, and yeah, it was downtown. It was it was just so uh, so hard to find parking there. But oh, because um,
0: all the relatives and friends that are showing up. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is not a pandemic yeah, ordination. Yeah. This yeah, it was like twenty nineteen, so it was yeah. just
1: before the pandemic. <laughs> but for the pandemic one, I, I couldn't go to the the class that I was closer to. Um, oh, because it was. Yeah, it was it was that was down. that was my year. That was uh, if I stayed, I would have been ordained uh, in twenty twenty. The during priest. the pandemic yeah during the pandemic
0: and that was your group and yeah wow. and
1: i I didn't get to i didn't get to go was it live streamed it was live streamed so, so i got to see parts of it uh-huh when wow. i saw it i was like wow i could have been next to him you oh, could be is, there yeah that's so frustrate. weird yeah. yeah i was like that is so weird but but
0: you were you were robbed of the experience of hugging them afterwards and congratulating yeah. them yeah.
1: and i got to go to uh, father took's little uh, reception uh-huh so i got to say my congratulations there, but I didn't get to go to their mass, to yeah. their, um, to the, um, ordination mass. Um, so that,
0: that's crazy. You would have been one of those pandemic or yeah. ordained priests
1: or ordained priests. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I would have, It would, but when I looked at, at that time when I was looking through, uh, when I was looking at that live stream, I was like, wow, I'm good. I'm good here. This is, this, this is meant is, to be this this is is, meant yes to be. Yep. exactly yeah yeah so you don't you didn't have any regret this time yeah you weren't looking back right i wasn't looking back that romanticizing thing my that tendency to romanticize the past has been controlled in a sense um through my through discipline and through prayer life uh-huh. um and and i was i was dating my uh my wife at that at that point yeah so uh i got married and uh during the pandemic, too, like uh, married in December of last year, and oh, so
0: you're still, you know, newlywed. Yeah, what? six months.
1: Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Six months, and uh, it's it's been awesome, and I thank I thank God every day for all that. I guess all that pain and all that um, confusion and loss of identity, and all that grief, uh-huh. paid off. Uh, I'm a better man for it i more patient uh, and i I don't regret it it just it kind of hurts when I think back, but it's just like just looking back,'m i like it had to happen. It made you who you are,
0: yeah, it got you to where you are, yeah did any one of your priest' friends do your wedding? Yeah, Father Rick actually. <laughs> Father Rick did your wedding. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Which parish did you do it
1: at? Uh, so I we got married at uh, St. Edward, right? and uh, uh-huh. my spiritual director was there. Father Rooney was there too. So it was, and the pastor and my uh, Father Christian, Father Chris, Father uh, Thomas, the associate pastor there, uh-huh. associate um, priest over there at St. Edward. You know, that is a, that's a unique experience. Yeah. And uh, um, the newly ordained priest, Father Wayne. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, he was he was a deacon at my wedding. So wow. And uh, and uh, Viet, he's a seminary now. Uh huh. But he was there at my wedding, so it was that. I mean, that that nice.
0: experience of Father Rick, who you'd been in the seminary with, final, doing your yeah. your wedding. That's yeah. it, it. Must have been a little surreal, huh? Yeah. For him and for you. Because you, ha- you had watched his ordination, thinking that could have been me, and he's probably thinking the same thing. If I discerned out, I could be <laughs>
1: in his shoes. That's... It, it was a privilege uh, for me to just walk with him in the seminary. Yes. And then um, it was just awesome for him to to be able to celebrate my, my wedding. It was...
0: And that bond that you have, yeah. you'll forever have that bond. Yeah with 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 him and with the other seminaries that you walked with and shared that time with, yeah that's fantastic, so looking ahead, you see yourself where you are now for you know um in in your current capacity for the for the foreseeable future
1: for the foreseeable future until God calls me elsewhere and I'm gives you digging. another nudge and yeah. another hint yeah <laughs> I've learned to trust him wherever he wherever he nudges me. No matter how embarrassing, I guess. No matter how, how I might think it's it's shameful or whatever, he he's always got my back, and that's what I've learned. He always had my six when I was at police department. Uh huh. Because there were some dicey moments, but he was always there. Really? Yeah. Like what type of dicey moments? Um, like at night, uh stopping drunk drivers and dragging them out of their car, and they're Ooh. they're kind of like you know, resistant and fighting and. Um, stuff like that. Um, Uh and I never had to, I never had to shoot someone. I thank God for that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, but he was there in the seminary, my last time, all all my time there.
0: That's amazing that the road that you've been through, how difficult it's been, you know, having to deal with anxiety, having to deal with uncertainty, embarrassment, Mm -hmm. Of changing, and then of course the added mm-hmm. obstacle of your parents not not being completely supportive of what you're doing. Do you kind of hint to them to go to mass a little more here and there, or is it a touchy subject? Still a touchy subject. The,
1: yeah, for me, um, my, my youngest sister she's she's the one who's just like getting them to mass sometimes. Yeah, she's she, she's closer to them than I am. To Have
0: them. you seen any effect on your your siblings your your whole discernment process?
1: Going in and out.
0: Do you think it helped them with their
1: with their relationship with God? My youngest sister, I'm closest to. Um, um, we have great private conversations about, you know, prayer, and she asked me about different things about the Catholic faith. Uh-huh. That's what I liked, really, because uh, when when I was a police department, when I was a police officer, uh-huh. my friends were asking me about. The law and stuff like that. Like, yes, yeah. Can you help me out with the speeding ticket? Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I never got questions about Catholic stuff. You know, like I want, like my last year when, my last year then at the police department, when I was learning more about the Catholic faith, uh-huh. I was hoping for people to ask me about the, the Catholic faith. Yes. Um, I was like, I'm ready. You know, I can answer some some of your questions now. I read some of the catechism. I read some Bible. Uh-huh. I feel good.
0: You wanted to have those conversations. Yeah,
1: I wanted to have those conversations, prayer life and all that stuff. Um, but you know, can you get me out of speeding tickets? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I was in the seminary, people then asked me about the prayer life, and uh, I got to I got to help lead uh, my my home parish's young adult group. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really awesome. It was just like walking with these guys and and these men and women uh, in their in their discernment in their in their faith and. I liked being asked about the Catholic faith. I I found great joy when answering those questions. Not so much, you know, like um, how many people can can fit in the car before it becomes illegal or something you know, like <laughs> things like that. It's like in
0: Saint Edward, what is what is your responsibility as liturgy director? What does a liturgy director do?
1: So I help coordinate with the priests and deacons on uh, the mass. Uh, maybe different different things that happen in the mass, like first communion or Okay. or um the bigger masses like christmas and easter of course the holy week stuff like that what do you coordinate what do you um so i train altar the servers mm. uh, make okay. sure the volunteers know what they're doing like the sacristans the ushers um and so you make sure that everything goes pro-
0: the way it's supposed to go yes yes more
1: or less okay and then when covid hit so basically i've been there for three years so okay i never really had a normal year there my first year, I was still learning. I was okay. still like, getting the ropes, learning about the people, learning about the parish, learning about what father wanted, stuff like that. Then COVID hits. And then COVID hits. I'm like, all right, so all that's out the window. Now Now I have to deal in the chaos. You know, like, yes. lear- learning how to live stream was a big thing. Um, that was very challenging. And the directive from the archdiocese? Yeah. yeah L- trying to get that all... Um, in line with what the archdiocese uh, wanted uh-huh. and what the pastor wanted as well. So um, telling people to keep the mask on, training volunteers to you know, inform people to keep the mask on, doing all the whole social distancing stuff. Yes. Yeah, so the um, the yeah, uncertainty w- and the fear and, and all of that. Yeah. Uh, so I've always dealt in chaos. Seems like it, the whole time <laughs> I was there. It's <laughs> always dealing in the chaos. Uh, and probably, probably good that I got a little something from the police department and applied it in <laughs> in parish life, dealing with the chaos. Yeah, dealing and with those, the chaos and with a clear mind and trying to uh-huh. trying to navigate my way through uh, different situations in the do parish.
0: St- do you still find yourself having to compartmentalize some things sometimes? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Just to stay focused on the job. Yeah. And for some for some weird reason, like um, I'm still using my. Police skills, in the in the parish life. Really, like um, how? So, uh, last week, oh yeah, last week, someone someone came up to the parish uh, parish office. Uh, I just finished with the clergy meeting with with every with all the uh, priests and deacons to try to try and coordinate the liturgy with them. And then uh, as we were leaving, this guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, can I talk to a priest?" I'm like, uh-huh. you, uh, "About what? What do you need the priest for?" And he's uh-huh. like. I want to make a confession because I want to kill myself. Oh but, boy! All right. <laughs> so, um, so I got to talk to him, talk him out of it, and all that stuff. But I utilized what I what I've learned from uh-huh. the police department uh, in that situation. So different things. So uh, you,
0: you talked to him a little bit, and and you were able to use your, you know, what you've learned in the. Wow, yeah. and then in in that situation, do you? Do you, does somebody go running for the priest
1: and do you talk to them together or how how does that? So I determined that he didn't really need to talk to a priest at that moment. Okay, um, I told him, you know, you can make an appointment. The priest's not here anyway. He's, okay. He's, so it he's wasn't that urgent. It wasn't it was, that okay. urgent. It was. Um, After
0: talking to him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did you, did you find yourself going into like a certain police mode, into a crisis mode? Is that, that yeah. why you?
1: Wow. Yeah, it was, it was um, like. My training came back to me, I was just, you know, keep him calm, talk to him, get his first name, um, just listen to him. Try not
0: to trigger him into yeah, doing anything yeah. drastic, wow. Yeah.
1: Try not to say, like, it's your fault or, or what are you thinking, why, why you want to do that, you know, stuff like accusatory um, statements. Oh, yeah. Avoid yeah. those, um, just listen.
0: Yeah, because I, I would assume that as, as a police officer, you go through a lot of crisis management yeah.
1: training, yeah. things
0: to avoid, things to say and not to say, to trigger that person into escalating.
1: Yeah, wow. I did plenty of that uh, in the police department talking to mentally ill people. And when I was talking to this guy here at uh, a couple of weeks ago last week, um, Yeah, it was Wow. After after that he said, Well, thank you. It was it was good talking. It was it was a good talk. He just needed someone to talk to, huh? Yeah, that was it. Wow. Cause I even asked um I even asked him, like, how are you gonna kill yourself? Because uh-huh. if they give you a specific you know, like they've I've, really thought about, yeah, it. yeah, they really thought like I have, uh-huh. I have a weapon in my car right now. I'm going to use it on myself uh-huh. after I talk to you. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, well, well, that's an emergency. Like that's I got to call, call the police, you know, you got to go to the hospital or something. So like that. he was running for a counselor yeah, or something. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. But wow. he didn't have, he didn't have a specific plan. So I just was, realized you, you have a very unusual skill set, huh? You've
0: got that police training. You've got the seminarian training. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This, I, I am unusual. Yes. Very unique. Very unique. What advice would you have towards a young person who is discerning entering religious life, the priesthood, you know sisterhood or any of that? what advice would you have for them?
1: like discerning to get in
0: to discerning to get into religious life
1: if you, If you're going to discern to get in to go into the seminary or to the religious life uh-huh. yeah, give it your hundred percent, give it your all um, that's the only way you know. If God is calling you to that particular religious life, or the priesthood, or seminary, or whatever, give it your hundred percent. Give it, give it your all. Because if if you don't, and if you're just attached to attached to your to your past, or or to keep thinking about if you should have done that, or should have done that differently, or should have done this, uh-huh. should have um, chose that career, or should have. Did, don't worry about any of that. That would be sorted later. But give it your hundred percent when you go in. Um, I think that would be my advice.
0: So if it's not meant for you, it'll it'll come out that it's not meant for you. But at least you gave it your hundred percent. So that's what yep. you're saying. So go in, give it a hundred percent. If it's not meant for you, God will show that it's not meant for you, huh?
1: Yeah, I read this book uh, by Henry Now and uh, it's called Discernment. But he he said. It, you have to give it your 100%. That's the only way you'll know that it's God's will. If you don't give it your all, then you'll be distracted and you won't know. And that was from my experience as well. Um, so, what book was that? I think it was called Discernment um, by, by Henry Nouwen. Okay. One of those discernment books. Do you, do you
0: recommend that book for, for anybody who's thinking of discerning? Or, or if they're already in the process,
1: yeah. If they're already in the process, I think that would be a good book. Um, there's some other books too, but I'm drawing a blank.
0: <laughs> Let us know when you think about it, and we'll put it in. Okay. We'll put it in the uh, in like description or the comments or something for 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 the episode. Well, we thank you so much for coming in, telling your story, for being open about you know your feelings. When it came to the whole discernment process, and you know, thank you for for traveling down here as well, and I wish you the best of luck with you and your you know your family. Yeah, thank you. This is a great ministry. Thank you for having me. It, the pleasure is all ours. Yeah.